this December 7th through 9th. Check out the EdUp Experience podcast live and in person in Doha, Qatar for the World Innovation Summit on Education. We will be documenting the ideas and innovations from today's most influential global education leaders. Check them out at wise-qatar.org and follow the EdUp Experience podcast for more information. Yay! Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience podcast where we make education your business. Dr. Joe Salustio, back with you again and again and again. It is a never-ending cycle of ed-upping around these parts. And I'm very excited. Again, I'm excited. I say I'm always very excited. I listen back to these episodes and I'm kind of talking to my guest co-host who I'll introduce in a minute, but I listen back to these episodes and I notice they say the same kind of stuff. I'm very excited about our guest today. Or I, I say another one of my things is I'll tell you that or you know, right? So you start to notice these little really annoying things that you do when you start to listen back. And so I'm like, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. But then it's like, I got to hear my guests. So I got to torture myself by listening to myself. It's like this ultimate horrible, narcissistic, like really weird and embarrassing cycle, right? It's like, oh, if my wife's like, why are you listening to yourself? What's wrong with you? Why do you do that? I'm like, well, I kind of have to. What do you want me to do? Fast forward through myself to get to the guest? I wouldn't even know what I asked me. Anyway, that, I'm gonna. That's irrelevant. I'm gonna bring in my co-host. You may recognize her by that sound, Michelle, Doctor Michelle Cantu Wilson. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm gonna tell you something, Joe. If I ever, <laughs> if I ever, what, what was that? What were you gonna say? <laughs> were you gonna say something, Michelle? I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. If I ever go to a conference and I hear an air horn, I'm coming straight for you. So you know. Oh, I I can pretty much guarantee that'll happen. Um, so I, I just want to let you know that I did, uh, I go through and I take a few minutes and I download some sounds. And this is my new thing, right? Like it downloads mm-hmm. sounds and I'm like, Michelle, she doesn't really like the air horn to introduce her. It's really my, I really like it, right? So when I said I was going to assign you the air horn and you went, I've never been associated with an air horn before. I was like, it's all... It's all Michelle. The, the actual name of the button is Michelle. Okay. So then I went and I was like, maybe this, this one will work for you. So I'm going to let you maybe think about an alternative here. Okay. You know, Under, like, underwhelming, Joe. Yes, I, I thought so one. too. Yeah, I thought yeah. so too. Yeah. Thanks for, um, the, so, thanks for the options though. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. So I'm going to keep trying mediocre sounds until we find one that's better than the air horn, because I don't want anything to be better than the air horn. So I'm only going to give you choices that you don't choose. You're a giver, Joe. Thank you. I know. Well, let's, let's talk today to our guest and we're going to bring him in right now. Let me, let me move my, uh, my, my thing here. Cause he deserves this. Here he is. Ladies and gentlemen, Kona Gray. He's a landscape arti- architect and principal at EDSA. Kona, how are you? Hey, how's it going? Great to hear from you. Hey, thanks for uh, coming on the EdUp Experience. We're excited to have you. Tell us where you are uh, in the world right now, Kona. So I'm in our home office. The EDSA is based down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Nice. Love so it. nice. And, and I'm in uh, Southern California. Michelle, you're in Texas. And so we're covering the hot zones 
of uh, the United States right now. Um, right. It actually is a high of 72 over here in Southern Cal, which is like, a, it's, I don't know what's going on. Armageddon is, is happening over here. So well, we're ready to talk to you, Conan. We want to know all about what's happening in architecture and design for higher education, because I don't think there's ever been a more unique time for it. Um, first, talk about design for higher ed. Take us through what that looked like pre-corona, what that looked like during corona, and what that may look like post-corona. And take us through that journey, and then we'll kind of drill in. Okay, great. So we have been um, working in the higher ed space for, for decades. And for us, it's been fantastic because we get to um, interact not only with faculty and staff, but students and sort of the future of our world, which is really fantastic. And for several, several years, that the whole process of campus planning had a lot to do with um, very collegial spaces, very simple, clear quads, easy to communicate in terms of the way you walk and where you go. Um, each building had a specific use. Uh, you know, you had a biology building and the math building and the engineering building. And we, we've seen that evolve, but the, the one um, sort of common denominator over the years has been universities understanding their mission and understanding their strategic plan and therefore planning their campus, hopefully to support that. Um, uh, one thing we've always noted and stated for, for quite some time is that a university is a business, right? You're in the business of education. You have to attract students. Uh, you also need to attract the right faculty and staff. Um, and then you have to retain them. So being on the campus needs to feel good. Um, and certainly the, the, the feeling of a campus has a lot to do with the sort of um, uh, spiritualness of it, but also the ability for people to want to be there. So as a as a parent myself and with a 14 year old and, and actually speaking to many of my colleagues and friends that have 18 year olds that are beginning the process, you wanna feel good when you go on a campus. Um, um, you wanna feel as though your you're, you're, you're young person, your student will thrive there and you will like coming back. Um, and if it's your alma mater, that's even better. But um, yeah, the, the, the world of campus planning has stayed a little bit the same in terms of the strategic aspect of it, but it's changed dramatically um, in the physical aspect of it due to um, you know changes in the way people want to learn um, and also changes um, that are uh, hard for us to to forecast, such as COVID. Amazing. Well, thanks for your comment, Michelle. Um, yeah, Kona, I want to uh, ask you if if because space is obviously an issue. It became, space used to be a premium, right? We have we have space and we have so much space and we can do all these things with the space. And then all of a sudden, um, colleges and universities are looking around. In fact, I've talked. We've talked to over 110 college and university presidents. I can't. I can tell you probably came up 50 times about space and how we're going to distance and use the space and reimagine space oh. and redesign. Oh. How much of a demand is redesign for you? I mean, it must be huge, right? You, oh. We have this open space. We need to do something with it. What can we do? And how does it stay in, uh, it, you know, congruent with our mission of uh, accessibility and, and how do we 
distance, but also pull people together at the same time. I imagine actually going through that and giving like a list of demands for how I would want my space to go. It would be completely like an oxymoron, the whole jumbo shrimp thing. I want to pull students together, but also have them socially distance. And it's, it's like, okay, how the heck do you deal with that, Kona? Really? Yeah, it seems very complicated. And, you know, it's interesting. In, in many cases, we look at these universities as they are today and we assess how they use their space. And they're always saying, oh, we can't do this, we can't do that, or this isn't working. And um, in many cases, it's just a matter of actually um, better management of the space. However, what we've noted um, is that these sort of one-dimensional buildings and one-dimensional spaces are a thing of the past. Um, we are looking at the opportunity for more what we call fusion structures, fusion buildings, where there's multiple disciplines working together, collaborating, um, really understanding um, each discipline and how they um, actually can learn and work with each other. And then we're also seeing that spill into the outdoors. And so as a landscape architect, um, we've been promoting the outdoors for quite some time, but all the focus kept going to the buildings. The donors only wanted to give money to a building to get their name on the building or whatever. And it's we like kept me when I try to get the audience to focus on me and, and they're still always <laughs> focused on Michelle. <laughs> these episodes. Same, same thing. I get it. And we, we kept advising our clients that, Hey, there's a, there's a greater, um, price point value here. I mean, it's going to cost you less. You can get more bang for your buck by doing um, a little bit more with the outdoor experience. And, and you can do it in cold climates as well. Um, and so the trend that we're seeing that um, we really have been pushing for such a long time is sort of this high flex um, element where um, you can learn in several different ways. Um, I was, it's interesting, I was just at K-State University and um, did a talk there and we actually had an opportunity to um, have a conversation with some students and we did it outside in this really great terraced um, seating space between the buildings. And it was one of those spaces, it's actually on the south side of the building. So it's not, it's, I wouldn't say it's the best in terms of its environment, but one of the things that we realized is that that space became very popular due to COVID, mm -hmm. like very, very popular. Um, before you couldn't get people to use it. Now people are using it all the time. Uh, you actually have to um, reserve the space. Mm -hmm. and, and this is exactly what we expected and um, encouraged um, several decades before. So, uh, you know, it, it's fantastic. This whole way of um, taking what was called hybrid learning before and making it more normalized, high flex opportunities for universities to not only learn indoors, but learn outdoors, to learn in-person, to learn digital. The whole world <laughs> has changed. And this disruptor of COVID just, it, it really, it really just um, amplified and accelerated what we knew should have happened um, quite some time ago. Wow. Michelle, come on in. Thank you. It's hard to miss me. Um, it really is. Kona, I was thinking so many things while you were talking and, and um, I think the main one was when students come into higher ed, regardless of who they are, um, it is a nerve wracking experience. There's a lot of anxiety around um, going to college for different reasons. And students, uh, like first-generation students, we know research shows that they feel um, nervousness about these big, wide-open spaces, about going into, you know, places that are unknown. Um, 
And so when I think about the work that you do, which is kind of deconstructing space in the way that it was traditionally seen in higher ed, I feel that it impacts students in a very uh, emotional way, a very powerful way, because essentially what you're doing is you're taking what's familiar to us sometimes culturally, which is being outdoors, you know, um, being in wide open spaces, you know, being with uh, people for different purposes other than work specific purposes, social, you know, being social. It feels like you're adapting to the needs of people versus the purpose of traditional higher ed. Um, and you're saying that this is happening much later than you had anticipated. Can you talk about maybe one of the first experiences you had where someone totally embraced the vision that you'd have for such a long time about this type of design? Oh, absolutely. And, it, and, and it's, and it's kind of, um, it's kind of crazy when you experience someone um, understanding the space that you, that you worked on, that you designed. And, and one of the first projects that I worked on that had that, that sort of, um, you know, transcendent um, moment was yeah. a, an outdoor, uh, uh, it was basically an arrival to a library at, at, at this particular university here in South Florida. And we designed the outdoor space that was sort of the pre-function to get into the library as kind of an outdoor living room. And as I was there doing sort of the final touches and punch lists and looking around and checking out things, um, a faculty member looked at me and said, did you design this? And I was like, oh, our, yes, our firm worked on this. And she just said, thank you so much. I was like, whoa, okay. So he's like, we have never had places like this to just exist outside and, and, yes. and really get out of the air conditioning for a minute, believe that or not, in, in South Florida and really be able to listen to the birds and, and, and sort of see the blue sky and see people. Um, and, and, and it's a, it's a thing that not only does it happen today, but it happened decades before where you could be together, but alone, right? You could right. be outside in this wonderful setting with people walking by, um, but you could still eat your lunch by yourself and just kind of, you know, observe and people watch. Mm -hmm. And fast forward several decades, um, we took cues from, we do a lot of resort design work, we took cues from the resort world and introduced it into higher education um, with um, the, the concept of a cabana. Um, so this out in this cabana, we took it from the resort cabana where you would go and lounge and be served your drink <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> to a place where you can actually Re, um, get away and study. Um, and these cabanas are what we call outdoor study pods, um, where a group of wow. students or individuals could come together and be undercover um, with a fan, um, with Wi-Fi and plugs and all that stuff and just chill. Whether mm -hmm. you're studying or not studying, it is your space. Um, and you use it for a little while and then somebody else uses it for a little while. And so mm -hmm. Um, the same university um, allowed us to do both of those spaces, which was just fantastic. Well, you take the old, um, you know, some of us in old church experiences and education experiences, think about the multi-purpose room. Didn't we all have a room either in our churches or in school? And it was just called the multi-purpose room. Um, yeah. And so it didn't really have a name, but it was used for all sorts of things. And that was kind of the fun room. Um, mm -hmm. 
but we've Halloween also parties, always, spaghetti nights. It was yeah, everything. Yeah. But we've also always prioritized recess, right? We've oh, also yeah. always prioritized outdoor time and play. And I think one of the, the fun things that you're bringing to higher education is the recognition that people are people and, and they need that downtime just as much as they need the intensity of study for, let's say, a nursing program. So I see nursing students walk around our campuses, you know, all day long. And, and those are difficult programs. And yes, we need that rigor, but we also need our students to find the work-life balance, don't we? And so I think what you're designing has real implications beyond what we saw in TV and on movies growing up, right? So they stage the scene on a movie and all the kids at the university are sitting outside and they have their blankets and, and you know, you have to be intentional about creating that space so students know that that's what it's supposed to be. Absolutely, and there's this um, this study about um, nature deficit disorder um, that we we've, we've learned as landscape architects in regards to allowing people humans. We need the outdoors. We yes. need nature. Nature not deficit to, disorder. That's yes. what it's called. Writing it down. Not 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 only to survive, but to recharge, to get you know vitamin D. Um, these are very important things, and, and and I mean, and actually to stay healthy. I mean, and a lot of people are remembering, or realizing, or, or recalling that Central Park exists because of a cholera outbreak, right? Wow. Right. And then the pandemic um, is just reminding us how important it is to have fresh, clean air, to mm. be outside, to stay healthy. Um, and you know, if if cholera, if it's cholera outbreak inspired Frederick Law Olmsted and, and the leaders of, of New York City to create an out of, you know, nature in the middle of this concrete jungle for people to actually stay, you know, not only healthy, but sane. I mean, it just shows you how important it is for us. And there's several studies and research that have been done that, that prove that there is a major value to the outdoors. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, You've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether it, your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash up. Yeah, I think we're experiencing that as adults, right? We, I, I mean, it, I know you guys probably felt the same way, but you go out of quarantine and you're like, I got to get outside. I got oh, yeah. to get out of here. Now, students are repopulating campuses literally as we speak, Kona. And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the, um, obviously you, you hit on it a little bit, but mental health obviously is a big concern for colleges and universities in mm -hmm. general. True. Um, and with that, it's not just services, it's, things. And part of those things is where can I go if I need my own space? Where, you know, I got to get out of my dorm. I need to be able to go sit at a bench under a tree. Where is that? Where, where 
it, you know, it used to be where um, those were moments for you to just go and sit down and relax, but they're actually learning areas now, or they need to become learning areas outside, right. uh, you know, uh, like you talked about, maybe it's not a cabana, but it could be a, a, a a area designed for students to sit down. You know, when they come over here, we expect them to sit down and flip open their laptop and take their online course or whatever. Absolutely. Talk to us about how a conversation might go, right? So you talk to whomever from the university and they come bring you in and say, Kona, we EDSA, we want them to come in and redesign this space. What does that look like? Is there a checklist of this is what we want? Is it like an interior design where you're picking up picking out tiles and you're crying, you know, you, you, you're, you know, I've, I've done this with my wife and I'm like, I don't like this one. And she's like, I like that one. And you, do you have that kind of, kind of back and forth with a, a group of folks? How does it go? Yeah, it's typically a group of folks, stakeholders. Um, we always, always make sure that we can speak to students and, um, nice. you know, everyone from faculty, staff, everyone that's a part of the process, not just the administration. And, um, and, that, and that's actually really fun is to sort of sit down with students and, and, and folks that are part of the university and, and have them walk you through their day. Um, it's a little trick we use in design where we, we lay out a campus plan, we lay out the map, and we um, put down our array of colored pens. And we ask people as they're walking by, we go to them, we go to the place where people are. As they're walking by, we say, hey, do you mind taking a moment and taking this pen and drawing how you um, navigate the campus, you know? So whether you, from your residence hall or from your car, if you're a commuter, how do you get to your classes? And these lines start to create what we call desire lines. And that's, what we, that's actually pretty fascinating when you think about that, right? It's yes. such a cool process and it's just crazy to see it come to life. And um, what we and, love and you know, about- You think about like the unintended consequence and like how yeah. come no one goes down this path? Right, and then, and then it might be covered and not lit up enough and it's dark right. and, and you know yep. at nighttime nobody travels down that you know so it really probably opens up some interesting mm -hmm. moments for you guys to consider yeah and and in the in the southern parts of the country it's shade right mm -hmm. students yeah. walk where it's shady and they do. Kind, of, kind of a no-brainer you know but yeah it's shade and so what we've learned from that and that has been a very strong trend for us in in our work is really curating the spaces between the buildings mm. taking these spaces and sometimes they're leftover spaces that they just somebody said no we have to park trucks here because there's a service yard or or this particular dean wants to park right next to the building mm -hmm. um, and say you know what you're special but you're not that special let's give that that space back to the students so we we've, we've done road diets we've done parking diets where we've removed those spaces that were intended for automobiles and gave them back to people so that humans could interact between the buildings and have a place to, to kind of hang out. And um, another design trick that we use quite a bit is it's, it's like a family. So you take a, a, a large space, a, a medium-sized space and many small spaces. So it's a mama bear, our papa bear space, which is a larger, a mama bear space, medium-sized and a bunch of baby bears. And you want to make sure you have several different types of spaces for flexibility so right. that you know you can have a larger space for things to happen with larger groups um, medium space etc and the smaller places are areas where you can just you know tuck in read a book or tuck in and and study or pull up your laptop and, and do what you got to do so I when think, i 
in the next uh, conversation I have with my wife about space, I'm going to say, and I quote, Kona Gray from EDSA told me about the baby bear, mama bear model. And you, you just aren't <laughs> educated. You know, you just don't know what's going on. My wife thinks Antonella. Antonella, you don't know what's going on. I know what's going on. Um, I do want to, you know, it's one of the interesting parts of what you're talking about, too. And I, I think this is really why we wanted to have you on in particular is because this conversation, and I'm going to kind of jog this over to you, Michelle, but this conversation isn't just about space. Space is what it is, but what does space do? Space might keep you on campus instead of you getting on your car. If you're a commuter, commuter student, instead of you getting on your car and going home, and maybe you're not going to be focusing on your studies as much because you go to a home life that might be difficult, space might keep you on campus and keep you focused on your studies. Space, design space, is a recruiting tool. So if you're going to come to a campus or you're going to research a campus and you're going to have pictures of that campus or you're going to be able to experience that campus, you're going to imagine yourself in that space, putting yourself in that space, and you're more likely to attend a school or more likely to, to select it or stay there. So um, it's a advancement. Uh, tool. It's a recruiting, uh, recruiting, retention, and fundraising. You want to go and say, hey, alumni, we have this space. Not, nothing's happening. When you were here, you didn't have a space to learn. Mm -hmm. If you donate now, you can then turn this space into something that your kids will be proud of when they come to this university, because of course they will, because you did. So this is about it's not just about putting out money to, to reimagine space. It's about investing in that space for a return. Uh, what do you right. think about that, Michelle? I, I think about particularly community college students. I agree that it's about space. I agree that it's about recruiting and investing. And I also think about the Starbucks model and how you know that third place was invented. It wasn't home, it wasn't work. We all needed a third place to exist. And I, I think college campuses are no different. They can be that third place and you have to be considerate of what the student needs are. So Kona, our students, students at my campus in particular, 75% uh, of them work at least part-time. Oh yeah. Right? So, and 75% of them are part-time students. And so for the students like that, how do you design um, experiences, educational experiences that are powerful to all types of students. And then also being considerate of budgets for the smaller schools who are no less deserving of, of such an experience. You know, is there, when you go in and you're doing your research, are, are you being considerate of, you know, the types of students and, and not just like the demographics, but what population of students works and how often are they here and how deep do you go and how friendly can can these design um, plans be to a community college's budget, for instance? So great. I mean, Michelle, it, it has to be that way. Um, for us, in order for our designs to function and work, they need to be informed by not only the people that are, are, are there, the demographics, um, but the, the way people are learning. Um, no matter who they are. So I was one of those students. You know, I, I worked through school. Um, it took me a little bit of time to receive my degree, but I, I'm stronger for it, right? <laughs> but it, it, was, it was necessary. And so um, having a place to be on campus that felt like I was welcome because I wasn't a resident on campus was huge. And, um, and some of the universities that I studied at, 
I didn't have that space. You know, it was it was the library um, or it was a, you know, a, a, a space that was more. It didn't feel like it was just for me, right, or just for students like me. And so what we've always tried to do is to look at the demographics and really understand the value of, um, of, of, of everyone's life experience. At the University del Norte in Cartagena, um, outside Cartagena, um, we help them, this is in Colombia, we help them look at their campus experience. And what they had was something that I never experienced. Students, all the universities were located in one part of this um, area, this town called Barranquilla. And all the students would travel to this one part of town to go to school. All the universities are in this area. These students would get up at 5 a.m., 3 a.m., 6 a.m. to get on a bus and travel so long. So they couldn't go home, right? Yeah. To go uh, to go get a drink or to you know go have lunch or whatever. And it was fascinating to see how they just occupied the outside. They occupied the land. They just they just took it. Mm -hmm. And 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 the university figured it out um, after some thought with us and, and actually explaining how they could better utilize space for all the students, not just the particular ones that were on campus. So we created these, um, these larger outdoor pavilions, just larger pavilions um, with seating. It felt like an outdoor cafe where you could have that third space. You could hang out all day. Um, some students were creating those spaces on their own, um, you know, hanging out in the stairwells and hanging out in the hallways between classes because they really had nowhere to go until we started to introduce these types of third spaces and and they loved it and um, I think that 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 says a lot I mean it, it says a lot to not only understand um, your campus um, but understand its context but more importantly understand the the people <laughs> that are utilizing and learning there and and ask them hey what what would make your life better you know no, we we always do our best not to show up and tell people this is what you need. You know, right. we always want to engage and understand how can we help you. It's kind of, it's more of a, a service um, than a uh, directive. Well, uh, guys, this is I'm not going to let them get away with it, uh, Kona. We do like to kind of throw a curveball at our guests uh, sure. from time to time to have ask you a question, get to know you a little bit. And I've um, uh, one of my guest hosts uh, suggested that I add two questions and let you pick from from one. And I'm going to do that to learn a little okay. bit about you. Number one, um, besides the fact that you have the coolest name uh, in the history, I think, of the world, Kona Gray, it feels like you'd be. Uh, leading a, leading man in a movie with that name. Let's just stay. Kona Gray is perfect. Uh, but uh, w so here's your question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. I got to get my, uh, here we go. For no money, for no money. Um, Kona, answer one of these two questions first. Number one, what's your entrance music? Every single time you enter a room, there's a song <laughs> playing. What's that song that defines you? Or number two, Tell us about your dream vacation, which would be unfair because I feel like you've been all over the world designing stuff. Oh, so yeah. It well, feels like you got to answer the first one. <laughs> I, I, would, I would probably uh, <laughs> answer both of them for you. So I'll, I'll give you the dream vacation first. My wife and I love, love, love to travel. And one part of the world that I've been to that she has not been to I uh, was out in the Indian Ocean. Um, there's some very amazing small islands out there. One is the, the Seychelles and the other is the Maldives. And so that's dream vacation done. 
Um, nice. theme, theme song, and, and I'm going to go here, would be the theme song from Shaft. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know why. That, I'm that, not kidding. That first thing that popped into my head. Um, <laughs> God, I'm, I'm going on Spotify. I've got to save that for later. Okay. <laughs> Access granted, ladies and gentlemen, the Shaft, Shaft theme song. Come on now. That's a classic. Well it's done. a classic. It's a classic. Yeah. Yep. Cool, Love cool it. brother. Yep. So um, what what do we need to know about about design, architectural design for colleges and universities? Like what's the what's the what's the hot new yeah. thing? Right. Is it cabanas? Is it uh, sitting? Is it standing? You know, is it the bar stool kind of thing? But what's that one thing that's going to catch fire, you think? Well, I know for a fact because we've we've tested it and it's this whole element of amenities. Students want fun. They want more stuff. Um, they're used to it now. <laughs> and and they want experience. And it's not it's not specifically about just, you know, um, you know, the career path. It's the experience of getting there. Um, and so we have been introducing um, luxury elements, um, resort style pools at, at universities, um, Goodness. fun stuff for people to do. Um, you know, their, their, their gymnasium is no longer a typical gymnasium. It's a fitness type of scenario. I've um, seen those before. And those, I, I went on a, um, college tour with our bonus son, uh, Jordan, uh, to the university of North Texas. And that gym there was a rock wall. There was a pool. I mean, it, it was like this high-end, um, you know, pay for membership type of gym. Of course, you because everybody's like the Ninja Warrior kind of stuff. Yeah, it really was, Joe. That's a perfect yeah. way to explain it. It was just so creative. It really was. If you think about adults as children, it was a playscape for adults, uh, and students were all over the place. So I'm glad I can at least envision what you're talking about. Yeah, it's happening, and we're promoting it. And what about any, on a, what about uh, yes i do joe you don't even have to ask you already know i, I know i'm getting that <laughs> vibe from you i love it <laughs> we are in sync um so back to the budget you know what what can small what can small colleges what can you know um, budget restricted colleges do that would not be so expensive you know when it comes to sprucing up the outdoor spaces or making them feel more welcome i feel like you know some tips and tricks that are very simple that could make an impact you know this week this month this this semester going forward into the spring semester what can these small colleges do to, to make a, make an impact and make students feel more comfortable outdoors oh absolutely so you know we always tell our clients that the uh, exterior improvements are low-hanging fruit right that you're not raising you know millions of dollars um, you can create outdoor terraces, you can create outdoor living rooms using shrubs as a way to um, enclose and create spaces for people. That's a good um, idea. These pavilions are also super inexpensive. And we always say that good design shouldn't cost a lot of money, right? It's, a, you know, landscape architecture, in our opinion, is not a luxury item. It is a necessity. It's a, it's a, it's a means to allow people to live in what I call democratic ground, right? These outdoor spaces that we all share. Right. It, it's it's important for all of us and so we we always encourage our clients to really focus on those elements and we had a client several um years ago that approached us 
after a trip to his alma mater, University of Florida, and he was disgusted. He was so upset. He was tailgating, getting ready. And he's like, hey, I want to show you guys, you know, where I lived when I was here at college. And so he walked from the stadium over to the historic dorms and they just they just kind of let it go. Right. I mean, there was there was dirt everywhere. Um, the shrubs were a little tired and leggy and, you know, and needed needed some love. And um, he was based here in South Florida, called us up and said, hey, I need to talk to you guys. I need you to do something for us. I said, sure. He said, I'm going to donate some money to the University of Florida, but it's for the exterior. And I'm, I'm hiring you to design it. And That's it awesome. was fantastic. I mean, we created these wonderful, great spaces named after um, our client, um, Herb and Catherine Yardley. So the Yardley courtyards are just this, it was actually a historical move because we looked at the archives and saw that the University of Florida originally had this amazing collegiate Gothic landscape hmm. that tied into the architecture with hedges that allow people to stay on paths and go to the certain places they need to go to and little nodes for gathering. And so that's exactly pulled it all back and gave it a little bit of a modern twist. We added a, um, a really cool um, interactive water feature that was not meant for play, but students did play in it, but it, was, <laughs> it, it wasn't costly. It was actually very um, budget friendly, but it did the trick. It gave um, people that space where they could relax, hear a little bit of water, um, think about what they wanted to do um, in their life, um, sure. contemplate. It, it was fantastic. And so we highly, highly recommend these universities. You don't need to go raise millions and millions of dollars to create these um, transformations. I mean, they're very, very simple. You just have to have a will to do it. Love it. Well, Kona, we're going to go into our last two questions. Uh, okay. For every guest, we ask the last two questions. Number one, what did we miss about Kona Gray uh, or your firm that you want to talk about? Anything that you have going on? Any bomb you want to drop? Anything EDSA has going on at all? Uh, you can also, if, if there's a way to get a hold of you, if somebody wants to contact you, now's your chance. And, uh, and then after you answer all that, what is the future of higher education design going right. to look like? So, no so, pressure, no pressure. No, no pressure at all, yes. And so, so for our guests, thank, thank you so much for listening, first of all. And, um, you know, EDSA has been around since 1960. We are a global design firm. Our work is uh, uh, pretty transformational. We, we work wherever our clients want us to be or wherever we see the need. Um, and our firm is really focused on creating healthy environments for people. And it's something that we've learned over the years that, um, you know, makes life better, this sort of quality of life. Um, and it's not just for humans, it's also for animals. And then specifically it's for the environment. And I, I think that's one thing that we all need to remember is um, what we can do um, individually and then collectively to really care for our planet. Um, and that leads me to the future because I think the future is about the planet and the future is about um, these young minds that are, are, are gonna do some amazing things. And it's our responsibility to leave a, a better place for them. And so um, universities specifically have a major, 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 major role to play here. Um, and we believe um, not only um, our industry of uh, landscape architects, but I would speak for architects and other designers that are in this space that campuses are um, critical to um, you know, the knowledge base that we all need to, to continue to grow. 
And so we would, would highly recommend that the future is focused on the young people that are coming um, and continuing to thrive. And so those are my answers. Love it. Very nice. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this has been another amazing episode of the Edip Experience uh, with my co-host today, Dr. Michelle Cantu Wilson. You, did you know that I was going to hit it again, Michelle? You I did. I, was... I I cover my ears in anticipation. Okay. I just yes. <laughs> I cover your ears in anticipation. <laughs> Love it. And our guest today, a complete honor to know him. Here he is, Kona Gray, landscape architect and principal at EDSA. Kona, it has been an absolute honor to talk with you today. Thank you so much for coming on, and we hope you had a good EDUP experience. I did. Thank you so much, Joe and Michelle. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, you've just EDUPed. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your audience? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience responds to? Are you spending more time building reports than listening in on what your audience wants? These are not easy questions to answer. That's why our great friends at MDT Marketing are offering a free audit of your marketing efforts. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and submit your information for your free consultation today. Look guys, you got nothing to lose. It's free. I don't know why you wouldn't want a free audit to tell you what you're doing, whether it's effective, and how you can make some incremental changes that can make a big difference moving forward. That's www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup.